I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Hey folks, thanks for joining us for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Um, this week, it's a sort of a little special special episode um, in honor of the U.S. election coming up. We wanted to talk a little bit about you know just voting and elections and um, sort of how to talk to kids about those things um, and some good books for uh, sort of navigating those conversations. Um, which I, I think I find it kind of an interesting topic because right, like kids, kids can't vote. <laughs> um, and so I think, you know, some people might be like, hmm, then why should we, why should we, you know, be talking to kids about it? And, um, so I think some of these books kind of answer, answer those questions about why it's important and how kids also like how kids can get involved, because I know I'm sure there are kids who want to be involved and think it's super cool to vote. Um, and are like, boo, I can't do that till I'm 18. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about these books and how kids can get involved. Um, so I guess I'll just get started with mine. I actually, um, there were, again, had the, I had the pleasant problem of there being a lot of books about this topic that I thought were good. Um, so I have, I have three picks and then a couple of honorary mentions, um, which I'm like, yay, good problem to have. <laughs> right. I love when there are too many good books to choose from. <laughs> Um, so the first one that I want to talk about is, uh, is called V is for Voting, and that's by Kate Farrell and illustrated by Caitlin Kowalt, and that is uh, published by Henry Holt, um, which is an imprint of Macmillan. And uh, basically, I mean, most simply, it's like a, a rhyming ABC book um, about, about uh, voting. Um, so basically, it starts out, right, like A is for active participation, B is for building a more equal nation, and there's like alongside a picture of kids of various races working on like protest signs, so like one is for Black Lives Matter, one is for gay rights, one is for trans rights, and the other one is just like a peace symbol, um, which I thought was really cute, and then I'm like, good good way to start out this book. <laughs> um, and then it like continues in that sort of like rhyming pattern, like C is for citizens' right and our duty, D is for our difference are is for difference our strength and our beauty and then there's sort of like various um various kinds of people and actually it was interesting because there was a person who i actually didn't clock this but i was reading an article that um dana rudolph who we've had on the podcast before um who uh does uh, mommy on blog um which is awesome you should check it out if you haven't but she wrote an article about the book and i noticed that there there was a character who i sort of would have read as queer just like being a queer person um but but of course right like i, I didn't want to just casually put that on that character but i was like oh like that person might be queer um <laughs> and but then i didn't notice this but in dana's um, article about it, which I'll link uh, in the show notes, um, she noticed that they were holding a sign, like a transgender rights sign. So like that person could be read as being transgender and their and their parent um, is with them. So like, I, I love that idea that like, maybe, you know, that's a supportive parent marching along with them, which I think is really cute. Um, uh, and yeah, and then so I'm just gonna like sort of uh, go read a couple of my favorite ones. Um, G is for govern, to lead, and to guide. H is for the homelands that we've occupied, um, which it shows like various historical figures uh, for the first one, including like Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman. Um, and then uh, I just appreciate the like nod to the fact that like, you know, to colonization. Um, and I think that like, while it doesn't go deep into it, like that could absolutely be an opener for that kind of conversation about that. Um, and I appreciate that because while 
we we were just um i was actually just recording an episode um on um like decolonizing thanksgiving and uh the lack of children's books about like decolonizing mm-hmm. things is like really you know it's like very that's that's one where it was so hard to find books as opposed to like like this one where it was so easy to find books there were so many that was one where i was really just like you know, looking at, I was asking on every children's book group I could think of. I was like, does anybody have any resources for this? So anytime that's mentioned in a book, I always appreciate that. Right. Um, and then uh, let's see, what else did I like? Oh, and then sort of going to the end of the book, um, the end of the book finishes W is for, or well, towards the end of the book, W is for working for change, win or lose. X is X marks the bot, the spot on the ballot you choose. Wow. I can't speak today, which is not great for this, what we're doing right now. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I just, I really liked that idea of like, we're working for change, win or lose. It's not about like, win, like, of course it would be nice if your candidate or the candidate you're rooting for wins, but it's about like working for change. It's, also that I feel like that implies that like there's other work to be done. It's not just about voting. Um, it's about sort of like being active in, in politics and, you know, uh, those, those kinds of things. So I, I just really, I just really like this book. There's a couple of, I have lots, lots of way to go for this book. There's like tons of diversity, even um, the, the kid on the cover is, uh, is a little black girl. I'm reading her as black person of color. Um, there's, like I said, there's trans representation. Um, there's even in the beginning when they're, they're all like working on their signs for different, like right, right off the bat, they're working on, you know, their little protest signs for like Black Lives Matter and for trans rights and for gay rights. So um, yeah, I appreciate the, the diversity there and also the diversity in the characters. Um, and I, what I really appreciate is that like, it encourages kids that they can make a difference and take part, um, which I think is something that like, Often, you know, kids who, of course, there are lots of kids who are making, you know, active change and, um, uh, you know, doing those kinds of important things. But I think that a lot of kids might feel helpless in that in that regards. And so I appreciate that this book is like, no, like you can, there are things you can do. Um, so like, for example, P is for protest when we need to fight and it shows children protesting. Um, or like K is for knowing that you can take part. And it shows like various historical figures throughout the book as well, like uh, Harvey Milk, um, Cesar Chavez, uh, Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Ruby Bridges, and like other um, other folks. I appreciated that they put Ruby Bridges in there um, because again, it's like a child who mm-hmm. who did something. Um, there's also oh gosh, I can't remember the the name of that book, but there's a really good book about Ruby, Ruby Bridges as well. I'm sure there's multiple. Um, I'd have to look it up and put it in the show notes. The, the, another another thing that I really liked was. Um, like it, it, it sort of encourages like asking questions and being well informed as well. Um, and then, oh, and there's also, so like I said, there's, there's activists sort of pictured in the book, like adults would know, right. That like, oh, that's Harvey Milk. Oh, that's this person, that person. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't name them in the book, but in the back of the book, it does name them. And I actually, the publisher is lovely and is sending me a copy, but they, I haven't got it yet. So I only was able to see a read aloud. So I don't know how much information it gives on the activists or if it just names them, but there, it at least names them in the back of the book. That's really um, cool. Yeah. Which I appreciated. And then of course, you know, at minimum, at least if you have the names, you could then do research. I'm hoping it gives more with the quality of the book. I have a feeling it probably gives a little information. Yeah. Like it's um, a little, a little nutshell bio. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I can, uh, I can report on that later. <laughs> um, 
And uh, yeah, the only, the only really, uh, you know, minuscule room to grow I could find was again, like there, I didn't see any um, active like ability representation of Mm -hmm. uh, diversity and abilities. Everyone, you know, appeared to be able-bodied. But again, that's just me me being me. (laughs) Um, But yeah, overall, I thought it was a really great book. I liked, like it didn't, I don't know. It didn't feel like an ABC book for the sake of being an ABC book. Like, oh, this is a cute book we could make. It really felt like it had a purpose and you could use it, even though it's like an ABC book. You could, I think you could use it with older kids. Um, it, and so I, I don't know. I just, I just really like that one. Um, yeah. It seems like a great, a book that would be a great uh, board book. Yes, I agree. It's not, as far as I know, it's not been produced as a board book yet. Right. Because it's um, brand new, right? It, yes. Uh, July 2020. Yeah. It's, it's brand spanking new. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. It would make a nice a nice board book. Um, but at any rate, I guess I'll move on to my, my next one, which, um, which is called I Voted, Making a Choice Makes a Difference. And that's by Mark Schulman um, and uh, illustrated by Serge Bloch. And it's uh, published by Holiday House. Um, And so basically, I really love this book. Um, It's basically like a a book about why voting is important, uh, like what it is, period, and why it's important. So it starts out, what I love about this book is it starts out by explaining it in like kids terms of like what voting is. So um, and it explains it in ways that children actually engage in voting, right? So it gives the example, or it starts out, for example, by asking, you know, which do you like better, apples or oranges, right? And, and you know, it gives different examples of different things and sort of it defines voting as any time you choose one thing over another, right? But then it's mm-hmm. like, right, if you're the only person voting, you usually get what you want. Like, usually people <laughs> vote together. Um, and, uh, you know, so it, it uses the example then of voting on a classroom pet, um, which is something tangible, I think, that kids can understand. And they they give, you know, they basically, you know, sort of define what, what a vote is, right? Generally speaking, unless we're talking about the presidential election, they get to, which they get to a little later, but like, right, generally speaking, the thing with the most votes wins. Um, hmm. And so they sort of, you know, explain what, what voting is in those terms. And then they you know, they say, like, in the example, then the kid doesn't get the one that they're voting for. And they're like, okay, but there are some things you can do before the vote happens, right? And it's like, you can, you know, uh, let people know which choice you want, you can work with the people who want the same thing, you can talk to people, I really like this, it says, talk to the people who want something different, maybe you will change their mind, or maybe they will change yours. Mm. Um, Which I really like, because it doesn't put the, like, the the push on like you have to try and change their mind because your choice is the right choice you know it's like no maybe they'll change your mind you never know um it's about having an open dialogue which i really appreciate um which i think grown-ups something that a lot of grown-ups could learn (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it's it's funny i was talking with my friend yesterday i was on um she has a podcast called is it transphobic and i uh was talking about children's books about gender uh and um we oh gosh now I totally lost my train of train of thought. What was I just saying? Who knows? Uh, what were you just saying? You were saying that uh, changing my having, oh we were talking about how like a lot of children's books were like this could be great for adults too like it, they just simply explain topics in ways that are like really 
you know, digestible. And I think that like, for me personally, like that's what I would always do. Like when I wanted to learn about a holiday I was not familiar with, for example, like I was working with a Jewish family and I wanted to do activities about those holidays with the kids. And instead of, you know, Googling or try, you know, sometimes the articles are really heavy. I would just take out a kid's book, like, like what, you know, what is Hanukkah? Like what is, (laughs) right. And, And it would just tell me the important parts I needed to know how it's celebrated, right. Those kinds of things. And I'm like, great. That's all, that's all I needed. I didn't need a dissertation on Hanukkah. Right. Um, which I'm sure somebody wants to read, but it's not me. Um, (laughs) and so I really appreciate children's books for that reason. And I, you know, I'm, I'm joking saying, you know, Oh, some adults need to hear that. But like, honestly, like the other day, I am going to talk about this book a little later, but, um, another one of the books I'm going to talk about talks about the electoral college and my, the, the mother of the twins that I nanny, uh, is, you know, Canadian. And it was like, I don't understand the electoral college. And I was like, let me explain it to you with a pizza party. And like, just read this book to her. And she was like, I get it now. <laughs> like, right. Well, that, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that's so valuable because um, informational picture books, right? Mm-hmm. Like a picture book that kind of has the intent to teach something. Um, a good informational picture book will distill an idea down into like a very concrete and graspable yeah. um, form, which is beneficial, you know, like for, everybody, for, yeah, all learners of all ages can benefit from something being well taught. Right. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, well said. <laughs> um, so anyway, going, going back to the book. So it's sort of, uh, it starts out by explaining, like I was saying, sort of in kids' terms, what voting is and how it works. And then it shifts to like, well, how do grownups vote, right? And it explains, you know, that grownups vote for the people who run our town, states, country, etc. Um, and it explains that, you know, those people who are, who are elected pass laws that affect the way that we live. Um, and then it sort of goes into logistics of like how people vote, right, where people vote, and that kind of stuff. So I really, I really like that it, um, first of all, it's like really comprehensive. Um, and it's, I like that it starts out meeting kids where they are of talking about voting in their terms, um, of like, right, maybe you're voting for a class pet or, you know, it starts in really simple, like, which do you like better? It's like just really easy to understand, I think. Um, and so then once it's like, okay, you understand what voting is, like, then we'll talk about it, like how do grownups vote? What does that look like? Um, and at the there's there's one line that I really like that says maybe you will win or maybe not but if you don't vote you don't get to choose um, and I really like that sort of encouragement of like why it's important to vote and you know that your your opinion matters um, and also just in general it it encourages being well informed like even as a kid to you know like those laws affect you right um, as as a citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and there's also some great, great back matter, which, you know, we love here. <laughs> um, yeah, the only, the only thing, um, there's two sort of weight room to grows that I have, and that is, uh, they don't, and I, again, I don't know if that was necessarily the intention of this book, but they don't talk about the electoral college at all. And there's a line that says voting is fair. It's the same for adults. And I'm like, I don't know if I agree with that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't right. think the Electoral College is fair. Um, because too reductive. <laughs> yeah, it, that's the only line that I was like, mm, I don't know about that. Um, and then I was joking because there's another, like I was saying, there's another book I'm going to talk about in a little bit that talks about the Electoral College. And I'm like, you just need to like smush these together. And then it would be like one really comprehensive <laughs> and right. honest book. Because I, yeah, I agree. I felt like that was a little too reductive. And um, and it, and it's basically, it follows like that line follows them explaining that like you know whoever gets the most vote wins and i'm like but that's it's not the case in the presidential election so like uh right. i think yeah so that line i was a little bit like eh. and then the only other thing uh that i was a little bit like eh, about was i felt like the illustrations could be a little more diverse although there is um some body diversity when like the there's a, a scene where like all the grown-ups are lining up to vote and there's all different kinds of people there um but in terms of like racial diversity and like ability wise there you know there was a little bit left to be desired sort of like the main kid that we were following was white and i felt like also it i don't know if it was just sort of the way it was illustrated but like everybody just kind of looked like they had lighter skin Mm -hmm. um like even the people who i was supposed to be reading as darker i think and that might have something to do with just the illustration style but right it left a little bit to be desired i'm Um, only looking at the cover but i see what you mean about um body diversity i love all of these different size bodies particularly the 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 woman with the triangle body or the person mm -hmm. i'm reading is as a woman with the triangle body um but you're right like the palette seems very muted yeah um um in in general the but that's I, me I, judging a book by its cover so. <laughs> oh my gosh um but yeah overall again like I still think it's a, obviously I'm talking about it so I still think it's a book worth reading mm-hmm. um but I would you know maybe for younger kids who need like a really simple explanation of what voting is and like for a kid who you know is really interested and wants more accurate information specifically about like how the presidential election works you know maybe there's another book that could do that um and then my so my third pick before I get to my two honorary mentions uh, is uh, it's called Baby Loves Political Science Democracy. <laughs> um, and, and this is actually a newer book as well. It's from I don't know if you're familiar with the Baby Loves Science series. It's like Baby Loves Aerospace Engineering, Coding, Gravity, mm-hmm. all those. Uh, and they also have um, the five senses as well. And then this is a new Baby Loves Political Science is a new iteration of that. Um and that's by Ruth Spiro and uh, illustrated by Greg Paprocki. And that is published by Charles Bridge Publishing. Um, and basically, it's a board book. It's a really cute little board book um, explaining democracy, voting, and elections. So it sort of starts off by explaining that the U.S. is a democracy and that and that, that means people get to vote to choose their leaders. Um, so it explains what a candidate is, what a rally is, how people might support their, their candidate, what happens on an election day, and how people vote and how a winner is decided. So like that's basically boiled down uh, what this book does. So... I, my sort of way, way to goes are, I think it's like a really simple introduction to the topic. Um, and like also being a book for young kids, like it has super vibrant and diverse illustrations that I really love. Um, there's lots of like women in color in positions of power, which I think is awesome. Like one of the candidates um, is a woman of color. And there's also, there's this probably my favorite illustration on the second page. They're saying, you know, the United States of America is a democracy and they have uh, sort of on a pedestal, you know, the president and then the vice president and then a little lower is a senator and a representative. The president is a white woman. The vice president is uh, appears to be a black man. The senator is uh, a woman of color in a hijab and the representative is a white man in a wheelchair. So I'm like, 
That's awesome. Oh, so this um, is a this is an aspirational book. <laughs> yeah, um, but I appreciate seeing you know different kinds of people uh, that we don't traditionally maybe see in those positions or in positions of power in positions mm-hmm. of power. Um, and even it's funny, Kat was saying then on the next page, it shows the mayor and like all the kids are holding the mayor's hands. And it's a man who has like a um, the receding hairline, like he's balding on the top of his head. And it's funny. My wife is like, I actually never see someone who's like balding in a book. <laughs> like, that's actually also kind of representation in a way. I was like, you're kind of right. Like, we, you know, everyone has a full head of hair in books. It's true. Um, often. Uh, but yeah, so she noticed that. I did not. Um, uh, but anyway... And another thing that I really like is that it has like, what can baby do to help? Um, and it's like, what is it? Where are the examples of trying to find the page? Um, I think I just passed it. It's like, baby wants to help. What can she do? And they're talking about sending postcards to people and reminding them to vote or whatever. And it's like, put stamps on the postcards, bring cookies to the meeting, color more signs. Because in the beginning, she's like coloring signs to vote. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not in the lines at all. It's very cute. Um uh, but I, I appreciate that. It's like, you know, what can you do? Um, and then in regards to like the outcome of the election, uh, which I really like is on, on the final page, uh, it reads, some people are happy, some people are not, but they can still be friends. And it shows the two candidates planting a tree together because like one of them had been running on a campaign of like save our parks and the other one had been ran- running on a campaign of like build roads that would like cut through the parks essentially. Um, and so they're like both, you know, planting a tree together. And I appreciate, again, aspirational, um, but I, I appreciate that idea of like, just like in the last book we were talking about where it's like, we can have different opinions, um, but still, you know, that doesn't mean we can't get along. Um, ideally, <laughs> I honestly like don't have a room to grow for this book. I think it's a really great little introduction um, for younger kids. And I really, you know, I love just there's ample diversity. Um, it's just a really cute little book. I love it. That's so cool. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the other ones in the series too. Oh yeah, do you think that this series will the this particular uh, kind of sub series will continue this political science series? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm assuming so because I mean, who who knows? But um, I'm assuming. Oh, actually, so I already like, see one political science more? justice. Ooh, yeah. I got to get my hands on that one now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so those are my three like pick picks. And then I liked so many books that I have two honorary mentions, um, which I will make quick. The first one is My Vote Counts by Candace Parker and illustrated by Bailey Crawford. And that uh, was published by a hybrid publisher called Claire Alden Publications. And basically it just like explains what voting is, why it's important, explains the electoral college, which I really like. And then it also gives sort of counter arguments for common reasons people don't vote. Um, we actually had Candace on uh, our episode about uh, about voting. She's a lovely human. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, but the, honestly, like, I, I really like it. It explains the Electoral College. It's the only book I found that really does that and explains it by talking about, like, a pizza party between classrooms, um, which is a cute, I think, a cute way. Honestly, it was the first time I ever understood it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I think it did a good job. And then, the honestly, the only, like, thing I would say to caution is it does it does say like oh go home and like ask your mommies and daddies and I was like eh, uh, parent um <laughs> right. but but that was the only sort of moment where I was like Meh, that could you know just be parent um and then my other honorary mention which I'm sure people have heard be- heard of this one because it's been around for a while but um Grace for President by Kelly DiPuccio and illustrated by uh, Luann Pham and that's by Little Brown who 
does some great stuff. We talk about them a lot. Um, and basically, I like this one. It's really cute. It's about this little girl, um, this little girl who reads to me as black. And uh, she knows she's like her teacher is like uh, showing all the presidents. And she's like, where are the girls? Um, and she, you know, notices that there are no female presidents. And so she runs for school office. And um, my my sort of like favorite part of this book is in the beginning when she says that she, she like tells her class, you know, raises her hand in class and says that she wants to be president. And everyone kind of laughs at her. Um, and then at the end of it, she ends up, spoilers, she ends up winning the school election. Um, and uh, and then they're doing like a, a thing on what they want to be when they grow up. And, you know, and she says, you know, I want to be president. And at the end of the, the last sentence is, this time everyone believed she would. And then at the end, it shows her like being president, um, which I love, like seeing a woman of color as president. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, the only, and my only sort of like, eh, for that one is that, um well there's two well they use the word crazy which i'm not wild about and then mm-hmm. uh at the end of the kids like the kids each represent the state um and how you know uh and and they're when they're representing their state they're kind of like dressed up in these caricatures of like what the state is oh. and one of them is a little bit like looks a lot like arizona looks a little uh a bit like an indigenous person i'm like Ooh! um yeah so there are a little bit of that that i was like not not too happy about but that's something i feel like you could talk about um i don't think it ruins the whole book uh or glue that page together i don't know (laughs) um but anyway so so yeah those are my picks um i was really happy like i said to see that there were a lot of great books about this um and i'm excited to hear about yours yeah um, oh, I just want to say, I really, other than it sounds like some weird cultural appropriation in that picture, <laughs> I do love Leon Pham's illustrations. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I love, I love them as an illustrator. Um, there's so much, so much energy in there and expressive faces. Um, mm-hmm. That's really, I'm pleased to see that. Um, and that, that's from 2012. So we're, yeah, getting, it's an older one. Yeah. So hopefully we're getting closer to that book being, um, uh, not aspirational, right? Uh-huh. Yes. Crossed, ish. <laughs> um, okay. Let me get <clears throat> situated get my right tabs up and my other tabs closed so that I can introduce my books. Da, 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 da. All right. Um, the first book that I wanted to talk about is called Granddaddy's Turn. Um, And this was published by Candlewick Press in 2015. Mm. Um, And it's written by Michael S. Bandy and Eric Stein, who also collaborated on a book called Whitewater, which is another kind of historical story. Mm. Um, And it's illustrated by James Ransom. and the first thing that I noticed about this book, uh, James Ransom's illustrations are just uh, luminous. Um, I like the, the opening shot. It is, this book kind of has a, I mean, it, it takes place, I would say, in the 1960s and 70s um, based upon my timeline analysis. But um, it really has kind of a, a vintage vibe, like it read to me. When I saw that the, the publication date was 2015, I was actually really surprised. It read to me as something mm. that might have been published in the 1980s or, or early 90s. And I think it just has that 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 feel to it. Um, and the first shot is of this home. 
uh, there's this cow in the in the yard and geese mm. kind of in the front yard and this beautiful porch um, and the lighting is just gorgeous so it kind of mm. almost looks like a painting right exactly like exactly it's a, like this watercolor like rich luminous um home um that kind of draws you right into the to this world of this this family um and Michael S. Bandy is a black man who grew up in the South. And James Ransom is also a black man. And Eric Stein is a, a white man, um, from what I can gather in my research. Oh, and I should say the subtitle of this book is A Journey to the Ballot Box. So hmm. Granddaddy's Turn, a, Dur- a Journey to the Ballot Box. Um, and so this is the story. This, this The narrator is a young boy. Who, by Michael S. Oh, I'm so sorry. I just accidentally unmuted um, a version. Oh, of I thought that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me make sure I'm muted. Um, so the narrator of this story is a young boy, and he's telling um, telling about live, growing up um, with his grandparents. So it seems that his grandparents are his caregivers, and he he lives on a farm with them, where he and his very strong grandfather um, handle handle chores and work all day and there's this great picture of his of his grandfather they're out in the hot sun there's chickens in the background and this boy has just the most world-worn look on his face um uh, and the texts uh um it says my granddaddy was a big strong man who always said he didn't take nothing off nobody he could do anything plow fields chop wood and dig fence posts all without breaking a sweat not like me Sometimes when I did my chores, I made so much sweat, it was like I was raining. And so there's this great picture. So the the illustrations, they really do a great job of um, kind of taking the text and illustrating the text, but also just um, like, like, a, like a picture book should, right? Like expanding mm-hmm. upon it a little bit in, in these ways that give us, give us more information about this family and about this, this experience. So the story opens with giving us a snapshot and kind of information about the, the life of this family. But the the event around which the story centers is um, the day that the grandfather uh, and his grandson go to vote. And this is the first time that this grandfather will have voted in his life. Um, and so the way it's introduced, the child doesn't know what, what's happening. He, he doesn't know why his grandfather's putting on a suit and why his grandmother is saying, y'all be careful now. Um, and don't forget to take pictures, right? So there's this tension between like this recognition that this is something, this is something monumental, something that needs to be commemorated, but also something that already um, is tense and a little bit like un- unfamiliar. Uh, and so they go walking and the boy still has kind of no clue where they're going. And he imagines that they're going to be going to the county fair and he gets really excited about that. And then they show up at this at a polling station, um, and there is a long line. Um, they are the only black presenting people in the line. Um, there is both an American flag and a Confederate flag flying on the building. Um, but and something that I love is that uh, when the child realizes that they're not going to the country fair, he actually is almost. Um, his enthusiasm doesn't diminish. It just pivots. Mm-hmm. So he's like, I shouted to my granddaddy, are you voting today? <laughs> yes, I am. My granddaddy proudly replied. 
Um, and so there's just a lot of, a lot of pride and a lot of, um, I don't know, this, this book just does a lovely job of, um, showing the import of this moment for this family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, um, the grandfather, they, he talks about how in, in where we live, some people get to vote, some people don't get to vote. This is the, the child narrator kind of talking to us. Like some people get to vote here. Other people don't get to vote here. Um, we stood in line and people kept cutting in line in front of us. Like that's just the way it is where we live. Um, Ugh. And so I hate line cutters. Right. Seriously. Um, particularly when they're keeping you from getting to, uh, you know, uh, exercise your right. Um, and so granddaddy is very patient. He actually says like patient son takes patience to get what you've got coming to you. Um, just, and so you kind of get the understanding that this is someone who has had to practice this sort of patience, Mm. um, for a long, long time. Um, and then there's an image of him holding his ballot while his grandson takes a picture. Um, and he just has, I mean, just the, this look of, of pride on his face. It's really a beautifully rendered illustration. Um, and he says, come on, let's go vote. Um, but before they can make it further, uh, a deputy stops them and forces the grandfather to engage in a literacy test, which the grandfather cannot pass. And the deputy, it says, the deputy slammed the book shut saying, well, uncle, if you can't read this, then you can't vote. He tore up my granddaddy's ballot and threw it on the ground. And then here is the, what I believe is the thesis statement for this book and also for our time. I was pretty sure that man wasn't playing by the rules, but he was in charge. Yeah. Um, and so uh, they go home and the grandfather has tears in his eyes and he is unable to vote and he passes away before the next election. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, and why would you tell me about this book? I'm just mad now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Seth. Uh, and, and then this, then uh, we get a passage of time uh, right. I guess I should say from the beginning, spoiler alert, I'm going to be telling you all of this story because I think it's a beautiful book. And so now this is essentially a read aloud. Um, this is not, this is no longer a review. I'm no longer doing the, I'm, I'm doing a, a, my take on walking you through the story. So um, in, in true crime podcast analogy terms, I've moved away <laughs> from the crime writers on version and into the true crime obsessed version of how to tell this, how to, how to, how to, how to share this book with you. Um, and so then we, we get a passage of time and we have this person now it's the seventies and there is a picture of he's, he's holding the picture of his grandfather, right? The, the, the day that his grandfather had his ballot, that he was denied his right to vote. Now this, now our narrator has grown up. He it's, there's a banner that says um, 1976 and he is voting. Um, I believe in the election for Jimmy Carter uh, and he uh, votes while holding the picture of his grandfather close. I'm gonna cry. I know, I know. He says when it. Let me let me make sure I'm getting this this text correct. It says, um, with his picture in my hand, I put my ballot in the box, smiled, and said to myself, 
now it's granddaddy's turn. <laughs> um, and at the, in the end, there is a page of back matter that talks about um, kind of the, the, uh, the strategies that were used to restrict voting rights. Mm. Um, uh, talks about kind of the civil rights movement, but, and it says the last vestige of resistance in the struggle was voting rights. And then it talks a little bit about, um, about what happened, you know, how things were in Alabama, um, unethical methods of voter suppression, including poll taxes and birth record challenges and literacy tests. And then at the Uh end, it says, um, through these tactics, thousands of individuals were denied their constitutional right to vote. Many were also harassed or hurt, and some were even killed. Fortunately, these practices were ultimately stopped with the passage of the 1965 Voting Rights Act, landmark legislation signed into law by President Lyndon B. Johnson. Mm. Um, so <laughs> that's the story. That's my recap of the story. And now I'll talk a little bit about my my thoughts about it. Um, in terms of ways to go, I think that it is a beautiful book. I love that it um, is really this family's story with, it doesn't shy away from the actual history, the actual lived experience of being a a Black man in the South Mm. um, with the right to vote being denied, right? Like it's, uh, and it it tells it in a way that um, is really evocative and feels very like immediate and personal and you're like living this experience with this Mm -hmm. family um and but without a lot of without a lot of historical uh detail um Mm. so right there just is that one moment in the back matter i mean that, that kind of lays out what's happening in this story um and then talks about the voting rights act of 1965 um, and that that leads me to my room to grow, which is mm-hmm. that I had a really hard time kind of figuring out the when of this story um, because it appears to be that he's try- he's voting in the 1960s, but then it says at the end that it was the 1960s when the literacy tests were eradicated, but clearly huh. he's being impacted by the literacy tests. So... I tried to do a little bit of um, of digging and kind of research to try to figure out the timeline of what's happening here. And I think that's what what's happening is that um, uh, he is trying to vote. Poll taxes were banned in uh-huh. the 19 in 1962. Right. So here's my here, here. So I was confused because I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute. So why, why is this, if, if he's still being impacted by the literacy test, mm-hmm. why is this the first time he's ever tried to vote, right? Because at the beginning, yeah, yeah, it's very yeah. important because it's the first time he's going to vote. And what I think is the case is that um, in 19, up until 1962 in Alabama, there were poll taxes. And so people uh, okay, living in poverty okay, okay. were denied the right to vote because oh. of the poll tax, which is you have to basically pay to have a right to vote, right? So what I'm thinking is happening here is that the poll tax, poll taxes were banned in 1962 by the 24th Amendment. So this man, it is now 1964. It's the, the, 
it's the election or the between it's the uh, presidential race between Lyndon B. Johnson and whoever he was running against. And it's in 1964. So this is the first time this man is able to vote because they no longer have to pay the poll tax. In the beginning, we see in the very, the very first picture in this book is that beautiful home with the wraparound porch and the cow. However, um, the home that, that these, this family is walking away from looks more um, modest, looks like a smaller home. And so my impression is that they would have been impacted by the poll tax before 1962. So in 1964, it's the first time that he has, that he's able to vote because they no longer are being denied by the poll tax. However, they are still denied. He's still denied because of the, the, this, this unconstitutional literacy test that he's put through. So it's like a personal thing of mine. Like it's a personal trigger of mine when like people or myself like not being treated fairly is just like such a trigger for me and this book makes me so angry I'm sorry. I should <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's not, not saying like I'm not I'm not triggered by it but like I, I just like I feel so angry on behalf of this story <laughs> like of the people in this right. story I and I read I read a review of it that was like <sighs> there isn't enough like righteousness no one's getting angry and I'm like you know, first of all, like maybe we weren't reading the same story because I thought that the the um the emotions were so clearly conveyed. Yeah. But conveyed with that same that same um sense of uh right that this man needs to needs to display patience and he can't show anger yep. to this yep. deputy because if he does, he's going to be killed, right? Like, like oh I'm so sorry that he couldn't like slam his fist on the table and say to that deputy, this isn't right. I I have a constitutional right to vote. So um, I thought that it was conveyed with such beautiful nuance. I think that also is what makes this different between like sort of a more idealistic book and like a historical book. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, not to say that like there weren't people who got angry and not to say that he doesn't have the right to be angry, but like, I think that there's something really honest about like that, sort of learned and like forced like patience about you know dealing with authority figures you know what right I mean? could, like hurt you right exactly and it was and uh right and there is a nod uh, in the back matter at least to yeah, the civil rights movement like there was change happening and obviously there were people out there being very vocal um and a lot of those people were killed for being vocal right yep. so um yes i'm with you that this book uh can be triggering I think it's a really, really important compliment to the other stories that present a more idealistic version of what voting looks like and what voting should be, right? Like, um, because, and and my other room to grow uh, is that the back matter kind of said, and all this changed in 1965 when we know oh. that voter suppression is such, is still such a, such a real yeah. thing that I yep. would have loved if the, if the back matter had just made some sort of nod like that this isn't history right like maybe the maybe technically the literacy tests stopped in 1965 but um there are many other suppressive suppressive tactics um so i would have liked that last sentence to um to give a nod to that this is a continued fight today so um 
readers can readers can ad lib that. Seth, I feel like you I feel like you I feel like you cut me off in the middle of my timeline history lesson. Were you not oh, were you not <laughs> I'm just kidding. But were you not fascinated by the by the distinction between what happened in 1962 versus 1964 and when I'm deducing based upon the model of the car in the picture which year this I love your commitment. <laughs> It's so good. Right. And so I guess the other, my other room to grow would be that I wish that that, that the timeline had been a little bit more explicit, at least in the back matter that like, yes, in 1962, the poll tax was eradicated. So this man under that kind of Mm -hmm. law now was allowed to vote, but still faced this other hurdle so that, um, that readers didn't have to kind of do that much digging to figure out when the, when of this story. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. But all in all, I think it's a, a, a beautiful, a beautiful, very powerful book. And those are very, I know, generic terms, but. Um, oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's grandfa- granddaddy's turn. Oh, I'm shook. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I had, it was, it definitely. Um, well, I think honestly, like I kind of, and again, like we talk a lot about like, who is this book for and when is this book for and and like I think you know there's right like the types of books that I was talking about are very different than like a historical book but like I think that we need books where like and like in the end right it does kind of turn out okay sort of um but I think we need books where like not everything goes right because like everything doesn't go right in life and like life isn't always fair and like you know I think that there is a time and a place for like aspirational books and books where you know like worth you know personally like when I think about books about gender for example like I prefer not to have books where like bullying happens or things like that like I prefer to just be showcasing how we should be treating people and how you know what I mean um but I think that there is a time and a place for for books like this and for books where it's like yeah like unfair things happen and like well especially you know when you're teaching about I mean like you were saying it's not necessarily history but like you know that things are still going on today but especially when you're talking about it in a historical context too it is important to be like yeah like people were treated really unfairly and like that you know what I mean right right we don't want we don't want this to be the only book on your bookshelf Mm -hmm. that features a black family right like we don't want all I think there is this this recognition that not every book about black people should be about the civil war and should be only about Martin Luther King and should be trauma (laughs) porn. Like you want obviously books that have representation that show, um, that show yeah incidental representation of, of black people, you know, running for president in their, in their fourth grade classroom or however old grace is right. Like there needs to be, um, a wide variety. So one book isn't doing all the things, but particularly when it comes to voting, I think it's important to balance to balance the more aspirational books and the more the books that say things like "and voting is fair" and that's how it is for kids <laughs> and for grownups, with oh. these other ex- really um, tangible examples of how voting is not fair, right? And yeah. and that there is still room to grow in this in this system, very very much room to grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so the next the next book that I want to mention um, 
is a book called Lillian's Right to Vote was written by Jonah Winter, who uh, I believe is a white man uh, who was based out of Texas originally, um, who's who many who has featured many um, kind of notable figures from history and particularly um, kind of figures from black history um, in his work, a lot of biographies. And then um, Shane Evans, I believe is self-described as a mixed race man um, who also has written, illustrated a lot of, of stories featuring black protagonists. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this story does not seem to be, from what I can tell, is not a biography, It okay. is, but it is the story, or maybe I, I don't read it as a, um, as a true story about a particular figure from history named Lillian, although I could be way off on that. Um, but it is, the, it is, um, it is this, this woman is on her way to vote in 19, you know, following the voting rights act of 1965. Mm-hmm. And um, it is kind of this allegorical story of climbing up the hill to the polling place Okay. And it recounts her family's history and the mm. history of voting rights in this country. Oh, I love that. Yeah, it's the beginning. Beautiful. The illustrations, yes. Shane Evans is a, does beautiful illustrations. That is my one of my favorite parts of this book. Actually, I think the strongest part of this book are the illustrations. Um, and it begins kind of... Uh, beginning with the rights that are denied to enslaved people, her great-great-grandparents. Um, the, it includes the vote that her great-grandpa Edmund Pat like, was able to cast following the Civil War, right? When, when, when Black people were allowed or were granted the right to vote. Um, and then says, but just 20 years later, um, all of these new polling taxes and literacy tests had been implemented, right, to deny Black people the vote, essentially, from between 1890. Honestly, like, this is really interesting to me because this is history I never learned. Well, right, and it's history that... I never learned about this. Yeah, it's history that um, that most people do not learn in a tangible, concrete way, right, in, yep. in their education. Um, because we don't like to talk about bad things we did. Exactly. Ugh. Um, and so it uh it's shocks, you know, the hill is steep, um, so much for the 15th Amendment. Um, uh, and, and give some really tangible examples of what um kind of like we saw we saw in the last story, but we see um one one thing that resonated with me um is that the the protagonist remembers the sneer on the registrar's face when he asked how many bubbles in a bar of soap and um and demanded that that this person her her grandfather name all of the 67 judges in the state of alabama Um, so these you know this they folks were were denied the right to vote based upon these completely inane and arbitrary and um bullshit uh tests Yep. Um, 
And so ultimately at the end, there's a very powerful image. She's walked up the hill. It talks about Martin Luther King. It talks about the women getting the right to vote. Well, I guess that's out of order. It talks about women getting being granted the right to vote in 1920. Uh, it talks about Martin Luther King. And then it talks about the the um, Voting Rights Act of 1965. And then the last image, I love it. It's like this woman's wizened, old, veiny hand reaching toward the lever. It's kind of elongated. It's like a little bit stylized. And it says, the final, the final page um, says, Lillian pushes that lever. Lillian votes. Um, and it's just really, really powerful image. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. Uh, but it's interesting because that that image is is very powerful, like simple language, two short sentences, and the rest of this book is so text heavy. It's yep. like these blocks of very dense informational text, um, and so that leads me a little bit to my way to goes and room to grow. So my way to go for this book, as I mentioned before, are the illustrations. Um, they're they're beautiful. Um, the way that Shane Evans kind of plays with with translucency and like kind of shows memory and shows history by the way that some figures are just outlined and kind of the pa- the color palette is just really gorgeous. Um, uh, the illustrations draw you right in. Um, also, the information I think the the presentation of information works nicely as a timeline. Like it does, it uses, well, essentially what I think this book is, um, it's essentially an illuminated timeline of voting rights mm. for black people in Alabama. Um, so it's, it's less the story of Lillian mm-hmm. and more the story of voting rights kind of using this person's family yeah. as a way to, to give put and put names and faces to these moments in history right so the way that i wrote it for myself is that it's more like putting a face and a family on a history lesson rather than weaving history into a family story gotcha as opposed Um, to the other one which is sort of like the opposite exactly exactly um so i think that this this book um, would be really, really valuable in a, his, uh, in a, in an elementary school or Foster middle school wedding, history yeah. class. Um, I think that this book is a way to tie all of the ideas together that might be coming up in a, in a student's history textbook or sh- I mean, should for the love of God be coming up in a history textbook and should be expanded <laughs> upon with like many project-based learning activities and, um, you know, experiential opportunities, but, um, I think that this is a valuable way to kind of make these more abstract moments in history feel a little bit more concrete, mm-hmm. but it doesn't totally work as a story. Gotcha. Um, so I think that it's it's informational in the same way that some of the other books that you that you recommended are informational, mm-hmm. right? It's uh, it's not, but it, it uses a narrative to convey information, but it really is more of an informational text. Gotcha. Um, and it's beautiful. So I, I think there's room absolutely for it um, on a history bookcase, uh, mm-hmm. but it it works less well as kind of like, well, to a me, it works well off the shelf kind of as book. a bedtime story. Right. Yeah. That being said, um, 
I might, I just might not be the audience for this book, right? Like someone mm-hmm. who's, who's, who's lived experience and whose family's lived experience more closely maps onto this story, um, might have a completely different reading of yeah. how, how, um, how often they would pull this off the shelf and, yeah, and totally. share it. Uh, so, uh, I do want to keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, I don't know that if it might have something to do with the fact that it is a black history being written by a white person, mm. um, and what, how that story might be told differently. Um, even the same kind of presentation of information, how, how it would be told differently and how it might land differently with different readers yeah. if it was written by, by a black creator. Um, so I do, I do recommend this book, but, uh, it, it it's doing, a, it's doing different work than granddaddy's turn is doing yeah i like how they're almost like inverse yeah yeah they complement each other um right because um granddaddy's turn kind of didn't give a lot of specifics about the history Mm -hmm. right and then this one gives almost i'm not going to say too much but it it just yeah it's just doing doing different work but yeah Yeah. couple them together and they you have a nice a really nice lesson that would be a nice lesson (laughs) honestly like as a, you know, previously, someone who was previously a classroom teacher, like, that would be, those would be good to couple together, I think. Right, exactly. Kind of complement each other really well. <laughs> exactly. Like, you want to, you read Granddaddy's Turn to get the, the emotional mm-hmm. resonance, and then you read this story to get, even as a reference book, to understand the timeline. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. I love that. Because it's, a story is almost kind of the wrong word. But, um, yeah. Um, and... Um, was there anything else I wanted to say about that? God, I feel like I just had something in my oh no, in my head, and it it fell out. Well, um, but maybe I was just rereading my my LBJ nineteen sixty two timeline again. <laughs> Did I have more to say about that timeline? Let me see. Let me go back to my notes. Um. Uh, oh, but I but I will say like like I said, the final image in in Lillian's right to vote with that the hand like third I don't mean to say that this book has no emotional resonance um because it does have very powerful moments it just seems less of a yeah well and like I don't I don't even know like I don't think it's a criticism I just think that that's not the same like I don't think the books were intending to do the same thing right like that's ex- yeah absolutely right yeah, yeah and we like as, as we always say there's room there's room for both right there's yeah. room we need them the, the informational texts we need mm-hmm. the, the incident the kind of intentional informational text we need the incidental representation yeah we need the, and the, the, the ones in between the stories yeah yeah we need yeah, them all. all of it yeah i think it's just like we were talking about where it's like they're you know they might be you might pull them off the shelf for different reasons or at different times or for different kids right it's like mm-hmm. i think we need we need them all because the you know there's lots of different experiences and lots of different moments that you might want a different you know different kinds of books right exactly uh so i'm excited to hear about your next book because i also looked at this one (laughs) oh good oh i know what i was going to bring up oh yes Uh, and i am also excited to look at my next one i did want to mention the my honorable mention that's what i wanted to that's why i was turning back to my notes and then got distracted by my timeline again (laughs) um the the book that i was not able to get my hands on this book but i I saw a recommendation for a story called Papa's Mark. And it was written by Gwendolyn Battle Levert and illustrated by Colin Bootman. 
sorry, Colin Bootman and published by Holiday House back in 2003. Mm. So I, I was not able to see more than the cover of this book and the description, um, but it was recommended as an alternative, someone who was kind of less satisfied, um, I think it was with, with one of the two that I've already done, recommended this book on Goodreads. Um, and it seems to take place right after the Civil War. So maybe it would even be another companion. Like it's a, it's a story about a man who is going to be able to vote for the first time, kind of before the beginning of all of these poll taxes and literacy tests that then denied mm. Black men and women the right to vote for a long time. Um, so it's, it's, it is in that moment in time that Lillian's right to vote references when she talks about her great grandfather. Okay. Um, so yeah, all of these books work together to really, to illuminate this history. Um, this history that most of us didn't ever learn about in the first place. So good God, let's read these books. It's just what, like the things we're taught in school are beyond that's a whole nother episode like I was when I was having the conversation um with uh you know some indigenous folks about decolonizing Thanksgiving like I one of them um like one of the people I talked to was you know grew up on a reservation and uh, the other one grew up in the New York City public school system so obviously their their education was different mm-hmm. uh, but the one the one who grew up in the New York city public school system was saying like, yeah, like I, I, an indigenous person was taught like, you know, that, that, you know, native Americans had a nice meal with the white settler. Like she was just like, my mom literally went into the school and was like, no, 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 no. It's just like, and like, you know, and had to do that work. But, um, but it's just like the things that were taught and the things that were not taught. Um, and I think that you, you know, it's true for every, every country, right? Like, for most countries, like, we don't want to talk about the bad stuff we did, but, like, we have to talk about the bad stuff we did so we don't do it again. Yeah, seriously. Oh yes, gosh. the United States is particularly egregious when it comes to not wanting to recognize our our history. Well, a friend and that's where our history bleeds into our present. I would have to do a research on this, so I might cut this out, but um, a friend of mine um, was saying that they, so they live in Texas, and Texas is apparently where many, if not all, of the uh, U.S. textbooks are made mm-hmm. uh, for history textbooks. And uh, I'm not sure what, what reason there is for that. But they were saying that there was, I mean, semi-recently, um, they were trying to change the word slavery to indentured servitude in the textbooks. Oh, many Christmas. And I was just like, what? What? Oh, my, like it's like uh, it's not like it's okay that bad things happen but you know what i mean like we have to talk about the bad things that we did and the bad things that happened and like we can't just sweep it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen well it's exactly like um it's exactly the way that we talk now about what a what a good apology looks like you know, mm-hmm. like that we talk about that a, an apology needs to acknowledge harm. It needs to figure out how to make amends. It's not, I'm sorry you feel that way. Like all of those great memes and articles about, you know, all, all the, the and analyzing the different public apologies and the different kind of mea culpas out there from, from famous people talking about what a good apology looks like. It's like our country needs to effing apologize the yep. right way for its history yep and up until this point it 
this country has not been willing to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's why we are where we are. I agree with you. We could talk about this forever. Talk about a book. Tell me about books. All right. All right. (laughs) Um, Okay. The last book that I wanted to mention is a brand new book called Vote for Our Future. And it's written by Margaret McNamara um, and illustrated by Micah Player. From my research, it appears that both of those people are white. Um, It was published by Schwartz and Wade this year in 2020, I believe in July 2020. I didn't realize it was that new. Yeah. um, And it is completely out of stock. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, yeah, I, well, you know, I'm as I was researching these books, I was like, oh my gosh, Shift should obviously put out a put out a box to get some of these books into readers' hands, um, and it's it's way out of stock. Um, so, which is great; it means it was popular. But hopefully, they'll do a reprint quickly. Um, yes, actually, it was published in. It came out in February 2020, okay. which was so funny because when I when I was looking at that, I was like, oh wow, it was just published, and I was like, oh no no no. It's October. <laughs> like, I know. That was eight months ago. Oh my gosh! Um, it's October. We've I know. been. We've almost been. We've almost, almost been in like COVID year. world for a year now. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. Yeah. So, um, so this book feels a little bit newer than it actually is. But um, <laughs> anyway, uh, and so it is the story. It's told from the perspective of a group of children in a school. Um, And this school becomes a polling place on election day. Um, And um, when it becomes a polling station, the school closes down, which is interesting because my son's school is a polling station and it definitely does not close down on, um, on election day, but this school does. And it's, it's sweet. It, uh, it begins, it says every two years on the Tuesday after the first Monday of November, Stanton Elementary School closes for the day. And then it says, for repairs? Nope. For a holiday? Uh-uh. For vacation? No way. Like, it's it's very cute. Uh, Stanton Elementary School closes for election day and changes from a school to a polling station. What's a polling station? A polling station is where people vote. Um, and I believe I should mention uh, Margaret McNamara is was it I think a journalist gosh what is her history let me let me quickly look at my notes for this um so we'll cut out part of this um oh no maybe I'm wrong I thought maybe she's a she's an author a writer and editor who spent many years working in children's publishing oh I thought for some reason I thought that she was also doing that name does sound familiar maybe there's someone else with oh well I think you might be thinking of Michelle McNamara, who is the true crime, amazing true crime uh, writer, passed away, uh, wife, was a wife of Patton Oswalt. No, any of this? Golden State Killer. All right. My, oh, oh, the intersection for folks out there who also, like me, reside at the intersection of, of children's books <laughs> children and deep, crime. Deep yes. true crime, uh, oh, we'll, we'll appreciate this. Oh, this, this is a total sidestep. Um, here's some bonus, bonus content, but I've been playing L.A. Noir, which is a video game that has actual crimes that happened in L.A. in like the, ooh, what is it, the 50s, 60s? Like Black Dahlia? 
Yes. And you get to like solve, like, well, not solve all of them, but like you get to, you're like the police officer, like the Dahlia basically just happened. And now there's a lot of like copycat killers, but they're real cases that happen. Um, there is an amazing documentary or mini series that just recently came out with mm. Chris Pine, I think, about the Black Dahlia case. And oh, I think also, I was heard about this. Yeah, there's also a really excellent podcast that's from the, that was put out by the family members who believe oh. that their father was the killer of the Black Whoa. Dahlia. Yeah, it's it's really intense. Um, so I, I used to listen to a lot of a lot of true. I go through phases with podcasts. Like I used to listen to a lot of true crime, and now I pretty much exclusively listen to Dungeons and Dragons podcasts because they're uh, funny and they don't make me sad. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm like the world is just so sad, but I need something that's going to make me laugh. Even like I won't even listen to serious Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Like I only listen to comedy Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. And that's well, <laughs> I get all of my political podcasts through comedy, right? Like I listen oh. to like well, not all of it. I do listen to some more straight, like serious mm-hmm. political, but um, my true crime, is it weird that true crime doesn't make me sad? Am I? A no, it's more, like, it's more like interesting than it is yeah. like, sad. no, I, I agree with you. It depends on like the, what podcast it is and like how into detail they're, you know, and the case too, like some of them are a little more depressing than others. Well, and I think I, I like to only, I, I like to listen to true crime podcasts that are, do a good job of honoring the victims, right. That are not salacious. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, keep all this in, keep it all yeah. in the, fo- the oh, folks yeah. who so, also yeah. live at the intersection of, of true crime and Dungeons <laughs> yeah, that and Dragons. One other person is going to be like, yes. <laughs> well, someone out there, you know, one of our, one of our tens upon thousands of listeners is screaming the name <laughs> of that Black Dahlia podcast at us right now. Um, so we're oh, real sorry that we, that we can't hear you. Um, so Margaret McNamara is someone who's in the children's literature world. Um, and, uh, uh yes not not to be mistaken for michelle mcnamara who's in the true crime world so um vote for a future it's very cute and so they go so the school turns into a polling station um says the reason people vote is to choose who makes the laws of the country um we should all vote said latoya we should all vote to make the future better we can't vote until we turn 18 says lizzie so what can we do the kids of Stanton Elementary School did their research. And so then essentially, um, like some of the books that you that you featured, this book is about like how children can take action, right? So it talks about the different ways in which these students um, research, right? Figure out what they can do to take action to support getting out the vote. Um, and then it talks about what different families do. So we see... Um, folks making flyers we see a a child pestering her her sister (laughs) and her sister's friend to register to vote um we see folks going door to door which all feels very very you know foreign because no one's wearing masks in this book i'm like put your mask on stay six feet away um (laughs) and uh we have seen folks and we we see some nice incidental representation we have um uh children who who read as black children who are um families who are wearing hijab um i think technically right we learned the distinction between the different ways of wearing (laughs) the head pieces and this is full hair is fully covered so i think i can say that accurately um but at me if i'm wrong um we see uh we don't see a lot of kind of ability representation Mm -hmm. 
um, until we get to the last page, which I'll talk about. But we, <laughs> I see, we see a child like harassing a teenager, like Mia's little face when she's like, "People fought wars so we can vote. That's yeah. a big deal." Like to this apathetic teenager. So we see yes. the children so um, really good. raising their voices. The kids in this book are so good. I know they're delightful. Um, and then we see uh the day oh, of. Out. I'm losing it, you. Uh-oh. Oh, there you are. Is it my hair? Yes. Okay. Um, and so then it's November 3rd, and we still see the children running around, lots of energy. Um, I, I love this line. It says, um, by the time it was the first Tuesday after the first Monday of November, every kid at Stanton Elementary School had spread the word to their families, to their neighbors, to friends, to strangers, to friends of strangers. <laughs> the whole town had a voting plan. Um, so I, I think that the turns of phrase in this book work really well. I think that yeah. this writer, she just does a nice, like it's like uh, very snappy and like energized. <laughs> um, I think that she has a great way with words. Yes, and I then really you have- the writing in this book. Oh, say that again? I really like the writing in this book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it has a nice, a nice- positive clip to it and then you have the scenes of all the folks waiting waiting to vote um people of different ages people of different races someone's waving an american flag i think we see a veteran um we see someone um who uses a wheelchair um and i will say that was one the text said they rolled in on wheelchairs Mm -hmm. um and so i appreciated that the text introduced that representation and mm-hmm. that the illustrator ma- matched it, but I would have liked to see more ability diversity throughout. And also, technically, they roll in on wheelchair because there's only one person in a wheelchair. They rolled in on right, right, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, like where are the wheelchairs? There's right. only one. So that person well, might use they them pronouns, but you're right. Wheelchair <laughs> should be singular. Wheelchair oh should God. be singular. This makes me think. Of, are you familiar with Les Misérables, the musical? at all i am deeply familiar with les miserables oh, and i will cool. begin to sing if we need to talk about this later because Lynn, this is actually why my wife and i are together but anyway um i proposed on the stage of les mis have i told you this <gasps> no okay, we need to talk about it after but Can anyway keep it in add it they want it. Okay, people want to hear right. from us first, first i want to say that when i was in a production of les mis we there's a song in les mis for those who may not know called empty chairs at empty tables but in our production we only had one chair at one table so i'd always be like empty chair at empty table <laughs> there's only one um anyway so so yeah so i my wife and i met online uh, on tumblr actually of all places um and just like had common interests and became friends and uh we but but at that time that was right when the lame is movie the most recent movie came out and so we just like bonded over talking about that and we both loved the musical and whatever and then so you know however many years later six years later whatever um when i proposed i actually I was living in New York City at the time and on our on the anniversary on our anniversary of like when we started dating we were I got us front row ticket, tickets to see the latest production of Les Mis which was so good um and I wrote 
a letter I literally like googled like how to do this and they said like write a letter to I forget who they said I don't know it ended up in the hands of the stage manager whoever I addressed it to um ended up in the hands of the stage manager and basically they told me I wrote this like super sappy letter about how like she was my Cosette and I was Marius and like all this <laughs> was so gross and they were like they were like we usually throw these letters away but this seems really important to you <laughs> So after the show, uh, I basically arranged a backstage tour, what Kat just thought was a backstage tour. So I was like, come with me. And she was like, what are you talking about? We went backstage um, and they gave us a little tour. And then they, I had set this up with like the, um, the stage manager where like, basically they were like, oh, I'm just going to take a picture of you guys on stage. And they recorded me proposing to her on stage. And like the cast members were there. So, which was cool. Uh-huh. Like, oh, like, you know, like, uh, Oh gosh, now I can't remember anyone's name, but like, you know, the people like we're, we're following some of them still on Facebook and the things that they are uh, Instagram and the things that they do. We're like, he was there when we proposed. That's funny. Like he's a famous person. That's weird. That's so sweet. Yeah, I love, really- I love that the intensity of the letter both got you what you wanted, but they also passed it on to the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, let's talk about books. Yes, back to that second tangent. Keep it all in. Keep it all in, Kat. Um, I okay. So it's finally the polling day. There's there's great incidental representation, but in some regard, but a little too little, as we've said, diverse or ability and disability representation. Um, And then uh, they talk about the votes uh, being counted. That it's too close to call and they count them again and some people win and some people have lost um and then uh they this elementary school goes back to being a school until next year and then there's back matter that includes information about getting out the vote um and how how children can help and different kind of um, organizations um and i i i love that the organizations that are listed here um are uh kind of uh encompass a wide diverse range of Mm -hmm. kind of advocacy groups there's the indian citizen indian citizen oh wait no i'm sorry hold on one second let me let me start that again there is i misread that so let me (laughs) that that's not true (laughs) let me go back (laughs) and see if it's actually true about this page um there is back matter that includes uh, information about getting out the vote and talks about the history of um, different acts um, throughout uh, throughout our our history as a country that have has helped support getting out the vote. Um, mm. And I think that is that for that so- book. So I really liked that book and I found that one and one of the things I really liked about it was like the diversity and a lot of those things. But the thing that actually stopped me from putting it on my list was that I felt like it was more a book for adults (laughs) about like, here are all of the arguments to your excuses to not vote. Um, Like I felt like it, it was sort of putting onus on the kids, like the kids had to go and seek out the adults and be like, oh, you're not registered? Let me help you register. Oh, you're not this? Like, let me help you that. And I'm like, that is not a kid's job. And that's kind of like I I like the spin that I don't disagree with you. Um, Showing the things kids. Oh, I'm not hearing you. I'm sorry. Were you were you trying to talk? Yeah, I'm not hearing you either. Are we are we are are we pissing Zencaster off with all our tangents? Uh oh. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. 
Okay. And I, I can hear you now too. Okay. Yay. Um, did you hear what I was saying or no? Um, oh. you're, I'm losing you a little bit again. Yeah. I'm losing, you're blinking in and out. What I was, what I was saying was that, um, part of the, the reason that I sort of didn't end up putting it on my list was because I felt like it put a lot of onus on the kids. Like the kids are going around like, here, you, here, you don't know, you're not registered to vote. Let me register you to vote. Like here, let me do this. Let me do that. And I'm like, that's not a kid's job. Like you should, you should do those things. And, um, I also felt like, uh, oh, what was the thing I was, I was just saying a moment ago and now I lost, it, it almost felt like a book that was geared towards grownups to be like, here are some counter arguments for the reasons for your excuses to not vote. Um, and so I, I almost felt like it was more geared toward adults in a way. Uh, but I did like your sort of spin on it where you were taking your, uh, the way that you interpreted it, which was more like there are things that kids could do. Like here are some things that kids could do, like helping get the word out and stuff like that. But when I first read it, that was sort of the take that I had. Um, right. Which was like, like there are a lot of adults who could read this book. <laughs> right. Seriously. Um, yeah. I, I think that what I, I hear what you're saying definitely about that it should not be a child's job to do this work, right? Um, however, as someone who has been taking their child to marches and canvassing and like kind of, mm. you know, is the person who who dra- drags their child out like on a hot day <laughs> door to door to distribute materials. Um, what I like about this book is the way that it could be used around this time as kind of a rallying point for families mm. and mm. classrooms to talk about what they can do right to kind of get children involved in the civic the civic process yeah absolutely Um, so right so so it's more of a more of a tool than a story right so it goes into our into our bin of kind of informational books that (laughs) use a narrative to tell to convey information but i Mm -hmm. do think um that it could it is a useful tool to have for families and for educators um, so that they can both understand, get ideas themselves, right? Like so that the the adults too can get inspiration about how they can get their families involved in this process. That's true. Uh, And then for, yeah, for classes to kind of use as a jumping off point to say like, why don't we, you know, hold a bake sale and then donate all the money Mm -hmm. to the get Mitch or die trying fund or, you know, like I, I think, I think it could be a good inspirational tool in that way. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And I and I also agree that like, while I don't think it's a child's job to be doing those things, sometimes when, um, when it comes from the mouth of a child, you take it more seriously, if that makes any sense. Like, well, exactly. Like, like that moment where uh, the little the little girl's like, we had to fight wars to like <laughs> have our right to vote, you know, and those kinds of things. Like, I, I'm, I'm, this is like a silly thing. Go, uh, call back to our conversation about how I'm listening to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts, but I was just listening to an episode of my favorite podcast, which is called Dungeons and Daddies, um, which sounds, it's, it's literally Dungeons and Daddies asterisk, not a BDSM podcast. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's literally about like four dads from our world who got thrown into like the fantasy, high fantasy world of the Forgotten Realms. And, and they're trying to find their sons who were kidnapped. Hmm. Um, it's oh my god it's so good it's so wholesome uh but anyway one of the things that happened was all of the dads uh you know were talking to this one dad about like something that was happening and they were like you know you really need to connect with your son more blah 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 blah. that's why he's not opening up to you and they're having this whole conversation and then this other character who's like eight years old was like yeah you should do this and he was like why didn't anyone else tell me that and i'm like but that's true like we're like adults will say something to you and then a kid says it and like for some reason you hear it more Right. Like when 
it's coming from a child because like there's something about the fact that like a child is concerned for you or a child is like you know that like makes makes it like penetrate more <laughs> absolutely i mean right and so ulterior motives usually right yeah like, i mean in the same way that in the same way that the for better or worse the like um you know say no to drugs campaign of my you know, early eighties uh-huh. childhood yeah. um, compelled me, right? Like I, I'm sure the messaging was completely off and was not handled well, but whatever I was told in school compelled me to come home and convince my father to stop smoking. Oh and my gosh. Stopped, I mean, he stopped smoking, you know, because we had such an adverse reaction to it based upon what we had learned in school. That's wild. I wish yeah. that worked on my dad. I used to hide his cigarettes. I would throw them. I remember um, one time we were at a, uh, which just like wasted our money because he would just buy more. But we were at a hotel and I threw them under the bed as we were leaving. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, and so I, I like the idea because, you know, civics, like we've been talking about over the course of this recording and many that civics is such an under- such an undertaught subject, um, both in high schools, but also throughout, like in really tangible ways throughout elementary mm-hmm. schools. Um, so having a book like this in rotation and getting kids excited about what they could be doing to help might yeah. make them go home and actually be the change in their own families. Yeah, I think that's really, I really like that. Um, you changed my mind about this book. <laughs> See, you have to be open to having your mind change. Exactly. Like other book. <laughs> now we will vote. <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, if you're listening to this episode, I'm I'm assuming that you're probably planning on voting, but uh, definitely, definitely get out there and vote if you are able. And uh, if you're not able, encourage other people to vote. Take a take a page from this great book we were just talking about. Um, and yeah. I, yes. Be little Mia yelling at the apathetic teenager. <laughs> Do it. Yell at teenagers. That's what we encourage here at Grad Child Podcast. Um, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, and on that note, uh, this is fun. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being here as always. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was, it's, it, it, it's, uh, we haven't recorded just you and I in a while. I feel I like know. it's been a while that we haven't had a guest. And Thank our guests you. have been so amazing that I hope that listeners are. Uh, we tried to fill in that gap with all of our tangents, some of which we might have cut out so you haven't heard them, but some of which might still be in there. But uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun to to chat with you. And if you enjoy our tangents, um, just a little plug for uh, check out our Patreon for, you know, as little as a dollar a month, you can get all the tangents you could ever, ever imagine. So mm-hmm. <laughs> and we will keep them coming. Oh, yeah. We don't know how to stop. It's a problem. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. And remember, stay rad.